to live prayer. I am Bill Keller. Good to be with you on this Wednesday evening. I pray it's been a great day for you. Good to be back together with you once again for another evening of great programming. If you're new to the program, you are watching live prayer. We come to you live in living color every Monday through Friday, 11 to midnight Eastern Standard Time and wherever you're watching me throughout this great land of ours, from sea to shining sea, border to border, Thank you for tuning in. Friends in other far-off great lands, welcome to you as well. Once again, I am Bill Keller, founder of LivePrayer.com, world's largest interactive Christian website. Reach a little over two and a half million folks each and every day via the internet. Please check us out online. Web address coming up on your screen, LivePrayer.com, LivePrayer.com. So how are my friends this evening? Looking forward to this evening. You know, there's a lot of days where it's about eight o'clock, and I said, man, I wish it was 11 o'clock now. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. This is one of those nights. I'm ready to go. Got a lot of great content for you tonight. Four things I should do for me each night on the program. First, pray for me in the program. That means more to, me, more to me than you'll ever know because it takes a conscious decision on your part. And I appreciate that. I really do. Second, please encourage people you know to sign up for the free Live Prayer Daily Devotional. Comes in their email every morning. All they have to do is go to our homepage, upper right-hand corner, click on the sign-up link, couple pieces of basic information, and they'll be set to go. Third, of course, tell people about the TV program. Now more than ever, people need to be informed. We are literally watching months of news rolling by in days. I got to be honest with you, it's getting very difficult these days to uh, pare the program down to that one hour. Um, it's just lots going on, but we're going to keep staying on top of it for you. So tell people about the program. Last, of course, if this ministry has been a blessing to you, please pray about supporting us. Uh, when you go to my website, you'll notice there's no advertising, no books to buy, no trinkets for you, no tours, no cruises, no concerts, no conferences. We're a ministry 24-7 and we have been literally walking that walk of faith for 30 years. And as I've shared with you before, it's amazing when you, don't, when you don't build buildings, when you don't hire 500 people you have to pay every Friday, when you don't have five or six luxury cars, three or four luxury homes around the country, flying in your own private jet, when you don't do those things, it's amazing how much money there is to go into the work. You know, our annual, our, our, our monthly budget is right around $55,000, about $1,800 a day. That's the general budget of a local church with a thousand or less members. And that meets once a week, maybe twice a week at best, right? With that, we've got two and a half million people get the daily devotional every morning. We get 40,000 emails from prayer every single day. We do this live TV program five nights a week. Uh, it's, uh, it's a 24 seven operation, but when you look at the numbers we're reaching and impacting and on average anywhere from four to 500 people a week, some good weeks, six or 700 people come to faith in Jesus, either through the TV program, through the daily devotional, through just regular emails as we respond back to situations. 
And uh, that's all made possible because of friends like you who pray and support the ministry. So as we're heading into the last day of February, uh, please pray about helping me with a gift in the next couple days. I'd really appreciate it. Go to the homepage, up right-hand corner, there's a donation link. Click on that. Give your address in St. Petersburg, Florida. If you want to drop something in the mail, it will also give you, there's a link there, of course, for our um, our credit card portal, if that's more convenient, all right? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this night. Thank you for bringing us all together here once again. No night is just another night. Each night is unique. Each night is special. I thank you for the friends who have gathered here tonight. I pray for them, pray for their families, lift them up tonight. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to once again come together and hear the things we need to hear, know the things we need to know. Open our hearts and minds tonight. Lord, we thank you for this day, the blessings we've enjoyed, and now we commit this hour to you, and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. All right, you know what? Let's let's just get Joe out of the way, okay? By the way, I know I've mentioned this before, but it's an observation that is worth repeating. Um, most people, uh, especially as you've lived a, a little bit of life, have had family members that either were suffering from dementia or Alzheimer's, or if it hasn't been an immediate family member, somebody you know. And um, it's a difficult time, I, difficult. Um, I remember my uh, grandmother, my, my father's mother, uh, she got, uh, she had a bad case of Alzheimer's uh, to the point where uh, one night the police found her walking down the road, I think she was probably in her mid-70s, down the road with no clothes on. And, of course, that was the night we had to get her into a, a, a care situation. She wasn't that bad at that time either. It wasn't like we just left her in a place to fend for herself when she was like a bad place. But it just, as you know, it just it doesn't get better. That's the point. It doesn't get better. Uh, but... Joe Biden has spent over half of his presidency at his homes in Delaware. There's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. And that's because people with Alzheimer's, people with dementia, uh, when they're in familiar surroundings, they cope better. And again, like I said, anybody who's had you know, parents, grandparents, family members, friends that dealt with this, you know what I'm talking about. Um, that's a common... Um, a common treatment, if you want to call it that, common uh, way to help people feel more comfortable when they're fa facing those kind of problems, right? And uh, and then the ice cream. That ice cream is not an accident, folks. And, you know, I don't want to take this down to a, 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 a child analogy, but I got, I mean, to be blunt with you, that's probably about as accurate as it is. Um, people that suffer from Alzheimer's dementia, they all have their their favorite treat, if you want to put it in that term, right? And it's obvious that Joe Joe's is ice cream. And uh, I mean, if I've if I've seen him sitting there licking an ice cream cone once in the last three years, it's been a thousand times. Obviously, that's something they give him to pacify him. I'm just being blunt, okay? 
But I just want to make those observations because he is clearly not mentally competent to run the country. And I guess there's a good and a bad to this. The good is he doesn't run the country and hasn't run the country from day one. That's been Barack Obama. The bad, of course, is he hasn't been running the country from day one. Barack Obama has. Okay, so it's a double-edged sword. Um, by the way, his people have done a pathetic job in how they program him. If you remember when career criminal and drug addict George Floyd died, Biden must have made numerous. I mean, he had the family to the White House, just talked about it constantly, right? Because he felt it was, a, it was politically advantageous. He hasn't said one word about Lake and Riley, the uh, Georgia student news nurse that was killed over the weekend. Not one word. And uh, he actually had police captains and commissioners at the White House today uh, for a, some kind of a meeting on crime. And he sat there. I mean, I got to tell you something. This is going to come up a couple times tonight. Uh, tonight. These people just think you are stupid. As he stood there and talked about how crime is down, crime is down. You know, tell that to the people in New York, Joe. Tell that to the people in Chicago, Joe. Tell that to the people in Birmingham, Alabama, or Memphis, Tennessee, Joe. Tell that to the people in any larger city metropolitan area that crime is down. And sadly, it's not just isolated to the cities. It's even hitting some of our smaller towns. But crime is not down. Crime is, is is in a terrible place right now. And that's and don't forget, that all started, track with me now, this goes back to around 2014. What, what did we have then? Oh, that's right, Michael Brown. Remember that nonsense? Hands up, don't shoot. Complete lie. And that was the start of Obama's administration demonizing police making police literally afraid to do their jobs. Then it took another step with the defunding of police. So, I mean, one practical reason crime is on the rise is because every police department you look at, in, in most every, put it this way, all major police, city police departments, a lot of major metropolitan police departments are all running very short of personnel from police officers uh, resigning, taking early retirement, just getting out of it altogether. Or some of them are coming to places where they actually still do protect and support law enforcement. Places like Florida, Georgia, Texas for the most part, other places like that. So it's uh, kind of sad. And then you've got Biden taking his physical today. Of course, he had no cognitive test. Okay. His doctor, of course, came out with this glowing report about how he's in such good shape, whatever. No cognitive test. And Corrine John Perry was asked about that at the briefing today. And she says, uh, his doctors didn't, his doctor said he didn't need it. And anyway, he takes a cognizant test every day as he gets up and does the work of the people. All you have to do is look at him. And, and I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, 
Kareem Jean-Pierre, Kirby, whoever's up there running their mouth, they just think you are stupid. The problem is, yes, we do see him. Biden's got this little clever thing he comes up with every now and then where uh, he's questioned about something. He says, watch me, watch me. Yeah, we are watching you, Joe. And that's, and that's the problem. We are watching you. You can't string two sentences together. You couldn't stand up without notes and do a two-minute talk on anything without freezing up. You can't even find your way off a podium. Yeah, we are watching, Joe. That's the problem. But that's just the way it's going to be. And then, of course, Trump shamed him into going to the border tomorrow. Trump's got a big border uh, uh, appearance tomorrow. And um, I guess he's doing something with Hannity from the border. And it was within an hour or two of Trump announcing his trip to the border that Biden announced he's going to the border. But he's going to Brownsville, Texas. He's going to the most, one of the most sanitized places. When you see Joe at the border, you're not going to see any migrants. You're not going to see any legals running around. You're not going to see anybody get arrested. You're going to see a clean, pristine site. And again, this might end up being the theme for the night, but let me just say it again. They think you are stupid. Just, I'm sorry. That's true. And then we got the mayor of Athens, Georgia, who we found out much more about today. Now, I, as many of you know, I was born and raised in Columbus, Ohio. Born in 58, so it gives you a parameter kind of when I was growing up and everything, right? Columbus was always a very conservative town. Uh, it was pretty much dominated by Republicans politically, right? Uh, but a very conservative town when I was growing up there, okay? That's no longer the case. And again, as most of you know, I, uh, in the mid-70s, went to Ohio State University, journalism degree there. And um, so this pains me to say that, to say what I'm going to say, because at the time I was at Ohio State, in the mid-70s, yeah, you still had some of the radical elements left over from the hippie movement and the and the and the uh, uh, anti-war movement, and you had the feminists on there. But even then, it was a very I don't know orderly. I mean, I mean, there was a lot of you know back and forth, a lot of you know debates, things like that. But it was very respectful. It really was. And there was no violence or anything like that. But I hate to say it. Columbus, Ohio today is not the Columbus, Ohio I, live, I grew up in. It is a pure, stone-cold, democratic city uh, run by Democrats. And the biggest impetus in that push into a very liberal city was... My beloved Ohio State University. And you find that in these college towns all over the country. Madison, Wisconsin. University of Wisconsin's there, right? Michigan, Ann Arbor, Michigan. You know? Um, 
East Lansing, Michigan, Michigan State, Happy Valley, Penn State. I mean, you, you just go down the list. Even when you get into the South, in the Bible Belt, in those states where, you know, uh, they love America and Jesus is king, right? Well, go to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, my friends. Home of the University of Alabama. Very liberal place. New, new, uh, North Carolina. Most of North Carolina is very conservative, very Christian. But you also have a lot of major universities in North Carolina. And I'm not going to try to name them because I'm going to end up looking foolish, but you got North Carolina, North Carolina State, you got Wake Forest. Okay, you got a whole slew of them there. And uh, same thing with South Carolina. Well, it's the same thing in Athens, Georgia. Athens, Georgia is centered in the middle of God, country, and apple pie. It is Jesus, is Lord country. Uh, it's very conservative politically. They love Trump there. But in the middle of all that, you have Athens, Georgia, the home of the University of Georgia. And like most of these college towns, the city's become very liberal. You have a liberal democratic mayor. What most people didn't know until just the last couple days is Athens, Georgia is a sanctuary city. Now, the reason we're talking about Athens, Georgia tonight, of course, is because that was where this Venezuelan illegal killed that poor woman, Lauren Riley, and it, Lake and Riley, and it appears from the information that's come out. It was a very violent death. And you know what? This, it doesn't look like that. This was, this was not even a, a sexual crime. For whatever reason, he just killed her. I mean, maybe he tried to hit on her and she rebuffed him because apparently she tried to call the police, but that connection, I, whether the, she tried to call the police, but there was no conversation. The police never came and she ended up dead. So who, know, who knows what the intentions were, but the bottom line was he killed her in a very gruesome fashion. So you have the mayor of Athens, Georgia, this liberal Democrat mayor of the sanctuary city in the heart of God's country, in this very liberal enclave, which is the home of the University of Georgia. And this mayor said this today at his press conference. Don't conflate immigration and crime. Don't conflate immigration and crime. And then he went into this diatribe about Donald Trump and how he said terrible things about immigrants and we shouldn't be treating immigrants like... I mean, he was literally defending immigrants and he was basically saying, hey, just because this illegal killed this poor innocent girl, you can't conflate immigration and crime. Really? I'll tell you what you can conflate, illegal immigration and crime. We're seeing it all. I told you, and I'm not joking. I'm never, I'm never going to have a night to do it. But every night I could sit here for an hour, two hours, three hours if I wanted, and just do one crime story after another about an illegal. 19-year-old Honduran, illegal. Held a knife at the throat of a 14-year-old girl and raped her. 
Okay. Venezuelan, 22-year-old, another Venezuelan. Um, killed, 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 killed a 31-year-old man over money. Okay. Um, I think there's another. Oh yeah, El Salvadorian illegal killed a two-year-old boy. I mean, I mean, again, you don't even have to try to find these stories. You just go to about any new, any legitimate news feed. They're all over the place. Now, I do notice a lot of the, um, a lot of the mainstream news media sites are not covering these things at all, obviously, for political reasons, right? But the sad thing is, I could sit here every night. But imagine imagine the audacity. And I, I got to tell you something. There was a gentleman in the, in the crowd, a father, who started shouting this mayor down and calling him a liar, said so he had the blood of that poor woman on his hands, and I mean, just ripped him up one side down the other. Good for him. And he was no, and he was nobody special. He was just a, a, a dad from the from the area. And he was quiet until the mayor started defending the illegals, and then he went off, and rightly so. Uh, Kellogg's, the great cereal company. You know, it's amazing. A lot of these classic, iconic companies like Kellogg's, Ford, um, I mean Carnegie. Okay, all these, all these great names, right? As they become four and five generations removed from the founder, they've got incredible amounts of money that they've put into foundations. These are some of the most liberal foundations you could ever imagine. They fund abortion here and around the world. They fund the whole green scam. I mean, they fund any woke liberal issue. You will find money from these classic companies' foundation involved in, 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 the, in, in those situations. I only, I, I, I lay that foundation because the CEO of Kellogg's yesterday said something that I got to tell you something. I didn't only find it outrageous. I found it so demeaning. He was a straight face in talking about the fact that, you know, the economy is having some troubles. His idea to help in that situation and during dinner time eat a bowl of cereal in other words instead of having a piece of chicken and maybe some broccoli and a piece of bread or you know maybe some uh, I don't know some meatloaf and mashed potatoes and gravy rather than having dinner eat a bowl of frosted flakes And he, and he said this with a straight face. I mean, this was his plan for people that are struggling. But yeah, it's, you know, for dinner, just have a bowl of cereal. 
Now, now I gotta be honest with you. I can I can't remember dates and times, but I can almost guarantee you that there's been a few nights when just wasn't that hungry, didn't really feel like a heavy meal. And yeah, I got a bowl of Fruit Loops or a bowl of Lucky Charms or whatever was in the cabinet. That's kind of what I had for dinner. Not because I had to, not because I couldn't afford an actual dinner. It's just, you know, circumstances. And I just, that's kind of what I wanted. Okay, so there's nothing wrong with having a bowl of cereal for dinner if that's what you want. But that's not where this guy's coming from. He said, you poor people. Here's my plan for you. Starting cereal at night. Joe Biden's America, folks. Um, and then you got Janet Yellen. Janet Yellen is, is, is this dumb woman. And she's not a smart person. Now, you, you know, I know, I know some people get a little cringy when I say people aren't smart. She's not, okay? Um, I know she's the head of the Fed. She's a secretary of Treasury. I get that. That doesn't mean, doesn't mean she's smart. She's out there pushing this idea. And I mentioned this to you before, but I'm going to mention it to you again because you really need to pray about this. She's pushing this idea that we've got about $300 billion of frozen Russian assets in central banks around the around the around the world and countries always keep dollar asset accounts in central banks around the world for trading purposes well when the whole thing with ukraine started we went and froze all of their dollar assets which totaled about 300 billion in central banks around the world as a way of punishing them well what yellow wants to do she wants to basically unfreeze those assets liquidate them and give that money to Ukraine. First of all, that is illegal. And to, 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 to hear the tortured legal gymnastics she and others who think this is a good idea are going through to try to justify this. What she if let me tell you something, if we pull this, number one, you wanna you you wanna watch the dollar which is already kind of in trouble around the world. Why would anybody put assets in the dollar if we don't? If we wake up one morning and don't like you, freeze your dollar assets, and then just take it from you? So that long-term problem exists. But I'll tell you what the short-term problem. You steal $300 billion from Russia, and you're, gonna, you're inviting a nuclear World War III. And I am not exaggerating. I'm not... Speaking in hyperbole, I am being deadly honest. This is insanity. Mm. And by the way, just so you know, if you don't agree with giving Zelensky another $60 billion, you are responsible for Ukraine losing the war. I told you before the war even started, that Ukraine had zero chance, zero chance of winning that war. Zero. Ukraine had the same chance of beating Russia 
as a high school football team would have playing against the world champion Kansas City Chiefs. There is, the, there is no scenario by which they would win that game. None. I don't care. Put a team of college all-stars on there. For sports fans, indulge me for a second. I remember growing up. Um, I mean, I was like 10. So we're, we're, we're talking mid-60s. They used to have a preseason game at Soldier Field every year. And it was a college all-star team. It was, it was a team made up of uh, co graduating college all-stars that were getting ready to enter the NFL, right? And they would play really a bunch of NFL scrubs. I mean, they'd have a few good guys, but mostly those college all-stars never even sniffed a victory. Every year, because, you know, you'd watch it, you, you had all these big-name college guys that were great athletes, and they graduated, they're going to the pros. And again, the NFL, you know, the NFL team was, again, made up some few decent players, but mostly just middle-of-the-road players. Just killed them every year, every year. So when you hear this, this fear-mongering, and this absolute lie that if you don't agree with giving Zelensky, you're Putin's puppet, you want Russia to win, and when Ukraine loses, you're responsible. That, that's the line. And by the way, Zelensky's getting desperate now. He says Trump's opposed to giving more money to Ukraine because he is pro-Russia and pro-Putin. And by not agreeing not be in agreement with giving money to uh, Ukraine. He is anti-USA. Uh, Zelensky is going to learn a lesson if God puts Donald Trump back in office. Because like he said, and I would put five Chicago hot dogs on this any day. If he said he's going to have that war done in 24 hours after getting elected, my money's on Trump. And it's, it's not going to be hard to do. Borders are frozen. Wherever things are, that's, that's who gets what. Russia gets out. Ukraine gets no more money. And they start the rebuild effort through the, you know, world, the world Bank and some of those places. Apple. Uh, Apple, if, if you didn't know this, it's kind of interesting. Apple actually was one of the first major... Uh, corporations to start the whole electric vehicle uh, situation 10 years ago. They started in 2014. They were one of the pioneers of electric vehicles. Uh, they shut down their electric vehicle operation yesterday, laid off everybody. They're out of the electric vehicle market. Uh, Nikki Haley got... She, you know what? I, 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 I think we got a new word. Last night in Michigan, she got cheenied. She got Liz cheenied. Remember Cheney? She was running for real, running for her seat in Wyoming, her congressional seat. Running, and uh, Harriet Hagman uh, beat her by about 40 points. That's what happened to Nikki Haley last night. Uh, she got shellacked by 42 points. Now, 
Let me give you a little inside information as to what Nikki may be actually thinking and the Democrats backing her are going along with, okay? According to Republican Party rules, any candidate for president that can win five states gets a little bit of muscle at the convention. Um, they, they get some influence on maybe the uh, platform. Uh, they will probably get a speaking slot one night. And if you remember, if you remember, Ted Cruz back in 2016, remember what happened at the convention? He had, a, he, he had, he had won, I don't, how, I don't know how many states he won, five, six, seven, whatever it was, but he, he won enough states to flex his muscles a little bit at the convention, and he had a speaking spot. And if you remember, he refused to, he refused, he refused to endorse Trump even at Trump's convention. Because listen, once you go to the convention, that's where you all get, you know, all gung-ho for your guy, and now comes that 90-day push into the election, right? But Cruz, if you remember, he threw a real wet towel on that convention uh, when he was up there speaking. And uh, it caused some pretty deep rifts between Cruz and Trump for a while. I believe that's what Nikki's looking at. Now, the big, the big question is, okay, what five states is she going to win? Well, you got to remember, you got Democratic states like Massachusetts, uh, Maine, I'm thinking. Uh, Trump, as long as he's the only Republican, will win Utah easy. But, but the uh, Mormon cult members that make up Utah aren't really big fans of Trump. You know, he thinks he's a hedonistic reprobate and all that. Like I said, when he's the only guy, they're going to vote for him. And he'll win Utah in a landslide. But I could see Utah maybe putting some coalitions together for Nikki. And then you've got some other states. Now, will she do it? If, As I said here tonight, I don't think so. But I'm just giving you, I'm just giving you a little inside baseball. This, this could be why she's not getting out. She's going to stay in all the way to the convention, try to pick up five states, because if she can pick up five states, that gives her some that gives her some clout at the convention. A big victory today for Trump at the Supreme Court. They're going to hear the immunity case. Oral arguments are sometime in late April, which means there's not going to be a decision until the end of June. Now, even if they rule against Trump and rule for Jack Smith in that ruling at the end of June, the clock on that case restarts at that moment. They still have oh, months and months of pretrial motions that they still need to go through after the immunity thing is settled, right? The soonest that case is going to start would be September. Now you're within, what, 60 days of the election? And there is a Department of Justice uh, 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 
don't know what you would call it. It's not a, it's not a rule, but it's part of the Department of Justice manual to stay out of elections within 90 days of an election. Because, again, it looks like you're interfering, which you would be. Now, will Merrick Garden Jack Smith obey that DOJ memoranda? Lisa Monaco, out of their hatred for Trump? But even, even if they start the trial, there's no way that trial is going to start and finish before the election. So that's done. And just for the record, for people that watch the show regularly, you will remember two years ago, I told you that they were going to indict him for this, 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 this. I also told you that the game plan was to get him convicted somewhere to try to damage him for the election. And I also told you that at that time, even two years ago, before they even died, I didn't think it was going to be successful. Because, listen, I know how these federal cases go. They're very laborious. Even when you try to jam them home, there's still, you know, procedures. There's still ways to slow it down. So the January 6th case, that's done as far as happening before the election. All right. Um, then you got the federal documents case in Florida. That's not going to happen before January or before the election because they haven't even begun to go through all of the classified arguments and things like that. That stuff, again, you argue it. If you don't get a ruling, you, 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 you appeal it to the uh, district court. Okay, that's not happening. Fanny is done. Fanny's, 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 Fanny's in the fire. She's done. George is done. Um, and then you've got the Alvin Bragg case, which is pure nonsense. Now, that's supposed to start March 25th. That's the criminal case where they're accusing Trump of, uh, of election violation for paying off Stormy Daniels. But the problem is the Federal Election Committee chose not to bring a case. And the reason all of the uh, armchair lawyers on TV didn't like this case was because they don't believe Alvin Bragg even has the legal authority to bring that case in a state court. So, but but that case that case looks like it is going to start depending on whatever appeals are raised and things like that. So we will see. And then you're up with these other two garbage uh, civil cases that are on appeal, which I believe he'll win both of those appeals without problem. By the way, Trump offered to put up a hundred million dollars against the four fifty uh, and get the appeal going. The judge rejected that, but here's what he did. Part of the ruling against Trump was he couldn't uh, do business with any New York banks for three years. The judge put that on hold for now, which means Trump can now go to his New York banks and get a surety bond, and he's not going to have to put up $100 million. He'll probably have to put about 50 or 60 but he'll, that, he puts up the So as you continue to hear... These idiots on TV salivating. Oh, we're going to get Trump Tower. We're going to take this. We're gonna... 
Letitia James, this Letitia James, she's such a nasty woman. She's out there um, on the Twitter every day. Yeah, Trump owes, Trump owes the state of New York another $134,000 today. I mean, she's sitting there taunting him. But let me tell you something, and you may remember this. I told you that Letitia James probably didn't have clean hands. And there's a lot of people right now digging into her finances. There's a lot of money that she's been blowing through. And these people, I'm just, I, I know people are going to get mad. I'm sorry. They're not smart people. They just aren't smart people. And uh, just like Fanny, she may not have a lover who she's been paying, but from everything I've been seeing on some different places that really haven't become very public yet, she's she's got some financial things going on. You know, $15,000 uh, hotel stays, uh, private jet travel here, there, and everywhere. $8,000 nights on the town charged off to office expense. Hunter Biden type stuff where he's basically charging off his hookers and his drugs, you know, as office expenses. So uh, we will uh, we will see how things play out. But, but, but with the judge agreeing to lift that three-year ban from him being able to do business with New York banks, that 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 that's that's all he needs now to get a surety bond from a New York lender, and uh, he'll be home free. And and I've heard people, who's going to give Donald Trump that? Are you out of your mind? Were you not paying attention? All the people that were supposedly victims who weren't victims who made out like bandits in their business with Trump, they all sat on the window. Yeah, we do business with him tomorrow morning. We love Trump. He's what they call a, 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 a whale. Uh, 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 um, borrower, a whale borrower. That's how they call it. Meaning it's big money, which means the bank makes big money. That's how banks make money. He'll have no problem finding a bank to give him a hundred million or for $450 million surety bond. He'll put up about 60, 70, something like that. And that's all he needs to do. Then it'll be locked in. And then they start working on the appeal. Speaking of Hunter, the incestuous, reprobate, drug-addicted, whoremonger son of Joe, he was behind closed doors for an interview today for six hours. Now, if you remember, I warned people that, hey, he may just walk in and take the fifth. After all, he is under indictment in two separate jurisdictions. One with the uh, uh, gun felony charge and the other with a bunch of tax stuff out in California. And to be blunt with you, I don't know any defense attorney that would ever let their client under federal indictment go into a setting like that under oath and say one word other than I respectfully uh, take the Fifth Amendment. But he talked for six hours. He, he thinks who he is. Now, after it was over and I started thinking about it, I thought, yeah, you know what? That, that, that does make sense. Because here's the thing. Hunter knows he's bulletproof. Daddy's going to pardon him from whatever. He could sit, he could sit there and lie to the, 
to the uh, uh, committee, commit perjury, even if they charge him with perjury, at the end of the day, it's all going to go down the toilet because he's going to get pardoned for all crimes before Joe walks out of there. So that's why I talk. And according to the Republicans, and there will be a full transcript, Hunter had two faces today. One face, he was this great international businessman, an esteemed attorney, sat on corporate boards. And then when the questions got a little difficult, he became nothing but a poor down-and-out drug addict. So one minute he was this great international businessman, and on other questions that were a little more difficult, he was this down-and-out drug addict, lost lost in his addiction. Okay, The fact is, there was no legitimate business conducted at all. The business was Joe. The business was selling Joe's office and influence. That was the business. Now, apparently, from what I hear, there's going to be a public hearing in front of the uh, Judiciary Committee. Now, not much is going to be gained from this. It'll make some good TV, I guess. But it'll be Hunter sitting there, and this is where a Republican gets to talk to him for five minutes, then a Democrat for five minutes. So the Republican's going to rip him up one side, down the other. Then the Democrat's going to uh, ask him to talk about his, his time in the throes of addiction. Okay, It's going to be that dueling picture. That's why those public hearings are usually just a waste of time. Just a waste of time. By the way, he threw out Jared Kushner's name. Now, the Democrats like to throw out Jared Kushner. After he was out of the White House, the, the Trump was done, Kushner was no longer part of the government, back to being a private citizen, Jared Kushner cut a deal with the Saudis for a $2 billion uh, line of credit for real estate in several parts of the world. Now, the Democrats would say, look at Kushner. Because he's Trump's son-in-law, he went and shook down the Saudis for $2 billion. No, he didn't. See, here's the difference. Hunter Biden never had a real business in his life. Everything he did was a scam. Okay, Jared Kushner is running his father's real estate empire that has properties globally for over 40 years. Jared Kushner wasn't in there shaking down the Saudis for access to Donald Trump. They have a legitimate business arrangement, and the Saudis aren't stupid. And Kushner has a very nice portfolio of properties, and they cut a deal. It's like all the time they talk about Don Jr. Listen, the Trump organization has built up over 50 years some of the most impressive properties around the world. They have a real business. The Bidens have no business other than selling Joe's office, which is corruption at the highest level. And then you got Mitch, Mitch McConnell today stepping down as, 
as the uh, Republican leader in November. I wish he'd step down tomorrow, to be honest with you. But And he's still going to be in the Senate until 2026. So he's not going anywhere. Now, he's going to try to pass the torch to either John Thune, um, Barrasso, or uh, the Texas Senator Cornyn, Cornyn, John Cornyn. Those three. Now those are three Mc, Mc, those are three Mitch McConnell allies in his leadership team. So the fact is, if any of those guys become the Republican uh, leader, it's going to be like Mitch never left. The alternative, hopefully, is going to be maybe Rick Scott, possibly J.D. Vance. I don't know. Uh, Rick Scott's been around a little longer. In other words, they've got they've got some people. Now, it's interesting because the way the Senate's broken down with, we got 49, I think, right now, right? It's about split down the middle as far as the people that support McConnell and the people that would support a new leader. So there's going to be a lot of jockeying for position in these coming months. Obviously, McConnell's going to try to hand the baton to one of his people, Thune, Cornyn, Barrasso, right? Uh, there will be an opposition mounted. And again, it's pretty evenly split as far as the people that would support a McConnell protege as opposed to new leadership. So uh, that will remain to be seen. Then you got Speaker Johnson caved in another short term continuing resolution to keep the spending going gets nothing in return scared to death to shut down the government they should not do anything on, on government spending on Ukraine they should do nothing zero until all the Trump air border policies are back in place and operational. Then let's talk. They've got the leverage. They're like you know, they're like a poker player who's sitting there holding three aces and two kings. Now, that's probably a winning hand. Maybe not a hundred percent. There might be, you know, one in a million hands that can, you know, beat that, but that's probably gonna be a winning hand. Yet, you fold. The Republicans always fold. And just for the record, that's why people like Trump. He doesn't fold. He goes for the throat. The Democrats go for the throat. We go for the corner and cry. So disappointing. Saturday Life, you know, again, I, I always like to give credit where credit's due. I'm a firm believer in that. Saturday Night Live had a skit about people, Catholics from America in Jamaica, going to a a Jamaican Catholic church on Sunday. It was a very, you know, had some light moments, but it 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 was a serious skit. And they actually talked about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
I mean, it was a gospel presentation. Now, there was no altar call, okay? <laughs> okay, it's still Saturday Night Live. But to hear Saturday Night Live give a clear presentation of the gospel, maybe clearer than in most churches on Sunday morning, and clearly articulate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I mean, that was stunning to say the least. You know, that was another Fred Sanford. Oh, it's the big one, Elizabeth. And you kept waiting for the punch sign, for the mockery and all that. Never came. Very, very amazing. And then you got this idiot, John Stewart, Comedy Central. He's out there on his comedy show demanding Israel cease fire. And you know, I was, I, I, as, as I was just reading through this, I'm thinking the arrogance of this guy. And it's really the shared arrogance of all these people that are on TV, in the movies, you know, can sing a little tune, okay? I mean, anybody that listens to... Uh, uh, you know what? I am so done with this woman, I can't even think of her name. No, I don't want to. The, the, the blonde dits is with the football player, whatever. Um, anybody that listens to her about politics, you're an idiot. Anybody that's going to take... Uh, foreign affairs advice from John Stewart is an idiot. And then, of course, you've got Meathead out there and Barbara uh, uh, Barbara um, Streisand. That's just a whole list of them. Whole list of them. Taylor Swift. Um, you know, you, you, you just got a whole list of these people. Why people would listen to them about anything other than what they do. John Stewart wants to talk about, you know, comedy and how to produce comedy. And, uh, great, I'll listen to that because, you know, that's what he does. Taylor Swift wants to talk about how to write a song. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably listen to that because, you know, she's obviously done it as well as anybody based on, you know, what she's built up over the last 15 years. But I don't care about their politics. I don't. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, if you're anywhere near my age, you remember the day when entertainers just never went there. You never knew the politics of, you know, any of these people in Hollywood or any of these musical people. They just never went there. Even back in the day of Jordan, which, you know, it wasn't that long ago, you know, it's been about 30 years, whatever, but still, it wasn't that long ago. People asked Jordan, why don't you, more, you know, why don't you take more of a stand on politics? He said, he said, Republicans wear tennis shoes too. I mean, he probably leans Democrat, but he's not going to get out there and start talking about politics and, and tick off half the people. They always tell, they always talk about Oprah running for president. She's not stupid. Do you know before Donald Trump ran for president, nobody ever called him a racist in his life? Matter of fact, just the opposite. I mean, he was a big celebrity with, you know, in the black community and in all the communities. Donald Trump had a, a huge visibility and uh, positive rating in the entertainment world until he ran for president. Once he did, half of them went away. I mean, I got to believe Oprah was smart enough to see that and say, I'm not going out there. Because the, the second she stands up and takes a stand on anything, 
Half the people are going to hate her. All right. I think we're going to chill up there. Good night. A lot of good content tonight. Boy, I'm praying for kind of a slow day tomorrow because I've got a lot of old stuff I get caught up. You know, I never got to listen much to Rush Limbaugh just because I was always so busy and that time of day is not a good time of day. But, you know, every now and then, like if I was in the car, I'd turn on whatever. I remember Rush would always talk about a stack of stuff, right? Uh, you know, basically, you know, my notebook. Same thing, stack of stuff, however you want to categorize it. And he used to always complain about, you know, having stuff. Having things in a stack, he just hadn't been able to get to stuff in there. He just hadn't. I, I understand. It. It's getting even more difficult as these days and weeks are going on because there's so much happening. But I've got, and trust me when I tell you, the high priority stuff, I get that out immediately. Okay, so these things aren't high priority, but they're important things. Things that you know I wouldn't even be bringing the table if they weren't things that you should be aware of. Right. All right, got to get out of here. Run late. Uh, my friend, before we leave, though, if you've never made a decision for Jesus in the new tradition of Saturday Night Live, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, man, that's the gospel message right there. Boom, boom, boom. Because at the end of the day, we're all sinners, and it's Jesus who died for your sins, and that's why Jesus is the only name by which men are saved. If you want to make that commitment tonight, pray with me, will you? Dear Lord, I come to you this night asking you to forgive me of my sins. I confess tonight, Lord, I am a sinner, and I ask your forgiveness tonight, Lord. I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I surrender my life to you tonight, now, and forevermore. My life is yours. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And if you pray in a minute, my, my friend, the Bible says you're saved, not because of a few words, because of your faith in God's grace. Have a book I'll send you. won't cost you anything. Drop me an email, bkellerliveprayer.com. I'll get it out to you. And if you need prayer for anything, please don't hesitate to email me, bkellerliveprayer.com. Love and care about you so much. Have a great night. Lord willing, back here tomorrow for our Thursday night edition of Live Prayer. God bless. What problems are you dealing with in your life right now? Do you feel like giving up? Time to heart.